Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning. How are you this morning? Let's try that all over again. Good morning. Yeah, there you are. It's so good to see you. This is a time when there's just a lot of things happening. Okay, it's, it's some good stuff happening. And I want us to learn how to celebrate that. Now, at the same time, when there's good stuff happening, the enemy's at work. Don't let it surprise you. When you make a commitment or you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the way I'm living. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. The enemy comes after you. I want to brag on this church a second. Yesterday, we had a community baptism on Mercy Drive. Mercy Drive. Mercy Drive, if you start at Colonial and you go uh, over to Princeton, it's about a mile and, and a half, roughly. It has the highest crime. It's the most violent mile and a half stretch in Central Florida. But there's some pastors over there that are making a difference, and they're going to change it. And there's one. His name is William Andrews. He pastors a church called the Heart of Mercy. And yesterday, we had a baptism over there. Literally just on the side of the sidewalk there in front of their little church and inviting people to come and be baptized. There were some that had already made professions of faith. They knew Jesus was their Lord, and they wanted to get baptized. Let me show you a picture of him. Patrick Barrett is in the water with him. Patrick doesn't look very big standing there next to William. He was a basketball player, played for, I believe, Connecticut, University of Connecticut back in the day. And he he just has a passion to reach that community. So we went over to help, and let me tell you, they baptized yesterday. We helped, others helped. 20 people took their stand for Jesus. Mercy drive in the heart of mercy. Now, there's one of them that was baptizing. I'll show you this picture. Uh, yeah, even, even the pastor, he, he wanted to do that. He said, I, it was a long time ago when I was baptized, and I just feel I need to, and I want to set a good example for my, for my uh, church. So this guy right here is named Randy. Pastor said, you need to meet that guy. So I went over and said, hey, Randy, come here. I want to talk to you. Tell me your story. I want you to listen to this. As a little boy, he grew up across the street over here. Literally, he could see this building being built. He said, Pastor, I remember riding my bike over there and watching them build this in 1985 when we moved in. So he said, one of the things I used to love to do is I'd ride my bike over there and y'all put in those speed bumps. And he said, those speed bumps are great ramps. He said, man, I was, I was having a good time. And then a woman came out, saw him. A woman came out and headed straight toward him. He said, Pastor, I knew she was going to come tell me I had no business being over here and I need to get back to my neighborhood. She walked up and she looked him in the eye and said, hey, would you like some donuts and some juice? And he goes, yeah, I'd love some. He said, Pastor, she took me inside and there was this something going on. It was Bible school. There was something going on. And he said, it was amazing. I went back to the neighborhood. I told all my friends and I brought them back. I said, y'all want donuts and juice? 
And they all came back. And let me tell you what happened to him. He gave his life to Christ during that Bible school. Now, that's where his journey started. He wandered away. He became a drug dealer. Now, I say a drug dealer. I'm not talking about nickel and dime stuff on the corner. I'm talking about measured in kilos. He was a major drug dealer. And God spared his life. He said, David, I did it. One reason, I didn't have a way to take care of my family. And he said, it was easy money. But he said, then I remembered that I was following Jesus. That's not how Jesus wanted me to live. His life was changed. Now he pastors a work that is reaching people all over this area, people that we might not ever be able to reach. He's reaching them. And it all started. It all started with a conversation on our parking lot between one of our members and a little black boy from the neighborhood next door. I said, who was that woman? He said, I don't know. He said, I, I, I wish I could remember who it was. I said, I'd give anything to know who it is because I want to go and I want to hug her and I want to look her in the eye and say, thank you for being the church that God wants us to be. That's who we are. That's what we're about. So for me, that's the celebration. That's the part that we rally around. Now, the enemy was at work after he got baptized. Man, it was a, it was a rough journey for him. It was really hard. Today, we were supposed to have Hosanna Wong, one of my favorite people in the world. She has an incredible gift. I don't know why a storm is going to hit California. It'll be only the second in the century. And it timed out to be today. But you know what? He knows. And believe me, we've been through those moments where we had to cancel things and move things and do a lot of crazy things because of storms. It's okay. God's in control. She'll be with us. Believe me, she's coming back. But I think God has something that he wants us to, to ask ourselves. Which table are you sitting at? In this case, standing at. Which table? Let me explain. Paul is going to tell us in the text we're reading today, there is a table of demons. And he said, there is a table of the Lord. He says, whenever we hold this cup, we drink. We're participating with Christ. We're saying, this is who we belong to. The table of demons, when we participate there, we pretty much are saying, no, I don't want to follow him. I'm going to live for myself and I'm going to live for the enemy. I want you to turn to the passage. It's an unbelievable few verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I want to make sure that you understand in just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to have communion. Now, if you didn't get one of the little cups like this uh, on your way in, all you got to do is just lift your hand and we got ushers. They'll see you. They'll get it to you. I don't want anybody to not have one. If you have made a choice, and it's very clear, because today every one of us have to make a choice. Which table are we standing at? Which place are we living our life? I know what you're thinking. Oh, I'm kind of in both. No, you're not. There's not that option. The Bible never gives us the third option. Well, I'm a little bit over here, but I'm a little bit over there. No, that would mean you're over here and you're not over here. Because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So today it's one or the other. And so he starts off by saying, flee immorality, flee idolatry. I mean, he, Paul says flee a lot. It's a word that means run, 
Run like somebody's after you. And that's how we're going to start this. So if you've got your, uh, your Bible open, I'm going to read it. You just follow along, verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, run from immorality. I mean, idolatry, excuse me. I speak as sensible to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I'm saying. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? By the way, you know what the word participation is in, in the Greek? You've heard it. Koinonia. It literally means we share. When we take this cup, this bread, we're sharing with him. We are like sharing something in common. Read on verse 17. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants, koinonia, in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that pagans sacrifice. What pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? Now may the Lord let his word rest on us. And it's really pretty simple. Run from idols. Make your choice. Run from idols. Now you say, well, what are idols? Well, in their day, it was a little bit everything. You had about every god or goddess represented in the pantheon there. A lot of buildings, a lot of temples, a lot of idols. Paul says you need to run from them, get away from them. It was a constant issue at the church in Corinth because that city was so filled with it. Now, we know, and he says that idols are not real. They're not real. So what's the big deal with idols? Satan uses them to build strongholds in our life. Satan uses them to build strongholds in our life. For example, let's look at some of the things that are on this table. There's a wallet here. Anything wrong with having a wallet? Anything wrong with having money in that wallet, credit cards in that wallet? No. But that wallet can become your master. It can become the thing you worry about and are concerned about more than anything else. Is a soccer ball or sports? I mean, you can put a football up here. I know, I know that is a football in some places. Sports, is, that, is there something wrong with sports? No. But sports can take over your life and sports can be an idol in your life. A plane, surely not a plane. Flying places, you love to travel, that's great, that's awesome. What about a laptop? Anything wrong with a laptop? No. But there's something wrong if it takes over your life. Can I add to this? My phone. Nothing wrong with a cell phone. I can use that cell phone to call you, to text you, to just, hey, man, we can send out scriptures like we do every day. Or we can use that cell phone to go places we have no business going. What I'm saying is the issue is not these items. It's who's behind them. It's an enemy called Satan. He is alive and well. 
And he is after you. He's after me. And he wants to replace Jesus in your life with stuff. Because he's got enough sense to know nobody's going to follow him. So what does he do? He just wants to pull us away from Jesus. And he uses every one of these things to do that. I want to show you something that if it shocks you, it shocks you. If, if you say, well, that's just par for the course, yep. This is one of the Bibles that we have in the seats. It's a hardback English standard version. Somebody brought me one of these. They found it. It was in one of the seats, and they just happened to pick it up, and we're looking at it. You see the pentagram on the word holy? Do you see down here? Hail Satan. So when they brought it, I opened it up. There are drawings in here I cannot show you. The depictions are, are absolutely horrible. The table of contents has hail Satan at the top of it. Turn it. I'm having to be careful because there's some bad, bad stuff in terms of graphic. There's a graphic scene with Jesus on the cross and Satan down below, and I cannot repeat what he says to him. The last part of this book, or the Bible says, this book was vandalized by a Satanist. Now, I know as I show it to you, there are a lot of people that go, ah, it's probably just a kid just messing around. You know, they just, like kids do in, in a service, they draw on something or whatever, so it's not a big deal. Really? That's the problem with idols. They are so subtle. And they so come across innocently. That, that's not that innocent. And I don't take it lightly. Because I know every time we gather, Satan is here to try to disrupt and destroy what God is doing in your life. It just happened to come across this way. But most times he is so smooth, he just kind of moves us toward something else. He doesn't show up like this. I mean, my reaction when I saw it was, my goodness, who would believe that? A lot of people. Because he doesn't come this way. He comes so subtle. So let me ask you a question. What are your idols today? What are the things you think Satan's using to pull you away from Jesus' lordship, to, to move you away from saying, Jesus, I'm yours, and whatever you ask, whatever you want, I'll do it. Let me ask you some questions. Maybe that'll help. What gives you the greatest joy in life? What's something you look forward to the most? What gives you the greatest sense of significance or the greatest safety? What has the greatest amount of your time? What has the greatest amount of your energy and attention? And the list is long of what it could be. There's a few ideas. The list is so long. Here's what really troubles me. Tim Keller wrote a piece about idolatry. And there he was at the time pastoring Redeemer Church there in New York City. He's with our Lord today. But this is the how he presented it. He asked this question or he put this sentence and he said, I want you to finish this. Fill in the blank. Life only has meaning if what? Or I only have worth if what? How would you fill in that blank? 
He goes on to say there are several things in our everyday world that are idols, that make us fill in that blank with that idol. For example, power. If power is the idol we worship, I only have worth if I have power and influence over others. If approval is the idol, I only have worth if I'm loved and respected by others. Image idolatry. I only have worth if I have a particular kind of body or I look a particular kind of way. Achievement idolatry. I only have worth if I'm being recognized for my accomplishments. Family idolatry. This one caught me off guard. He said, I only have worth if my children or my parents are happy and happy with me. Relationship idolatry. I only have worth if Mr. or Miss Wright is in love with me. There's all kinds of these idols. And the dangerous thing is they are so subtle. So here's some signs to watch. And I'll ask you this or point you in this direction. Is there any sin that you refuse to give up? Anything that God has asked you to give up before and you just can't do it. That will give you a big clue. There's an idol. Whatever that is, then whatever it does for you is filling in the blank for what we just looked at. Second thing, are you living for the next big thing? In other words, you live from weekend to weekend or from one thing to another, and you are placing all your hope and joy and fulfillment in the next big thing. That may be an idol. And what about, is there something that you're resisting? Changing. In other words, you don't want to change that because you just think you need it or that's important. Is there something you resist? We all have pet idols. And they seem harmless, but what it is, Satan is using those to just slowly pull us away. I got to tell you what happened to me just a month ago. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'll tell you exactly the truth. So I have a friend who watches our services. In fact, we have mutual friends in the room. There's somebody even in here today that's a good friend of his. And he lives in Donellan, fishes on a lake called Lake Rousseau. And I mean, he's dialed in some really big bass. And he's been saying, come, come fish with me, come fish with me. And I finally went. After one trip, I'm moving stuff around. Every time he's going, I'm like, hey, tell me when you're going and I'll cancel things. I'll move stuff. And I go over and we fish and I'm driving back. So I'm driving back one day. <laughs> I'm listening to a podcast. And this is what the guy says. Is there any of you that you'll move things around on your calendar to go fishing? <laughs> I promise you, I'm not making this up. You move things around on your calendar to go fishing. He says, you might want to consider that fishing is becoming an idol. And if you would rather go fishing than just about anything, then you might. Do you know what I did when he said that? I turned it off, said, ah, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> he started meddling. That's the point. Guys, it's so amazing how we protect our little pet idols. And we're not about to give them up or we're not about to change something. So what Paul is saying is, yes, idolatry is subtle. That's why I'm warning you, run from it. 
Because idolatry always has one end in mind, and that is to dishonor Jesus in your life, to replace him in your life. And so what he's saying in this text is you've got to make a decision. You've got to choose where you're going to stand. And so as we move to that part, he says, make your choice. I love the way I don't often quote the message (laughs) version, but in this case, uh, it's a great interpretation of these verses, verse 21 and, and 21 and 22. This is the way the message says it, okay? And you can't have it both ways. Banqueting with the master one day and slumming with demons the next. Besides, the master won't put up with it. He wants us all or nothing. When I read that translation of it, do I have to say anything else? You can't have it both ways. He will fight for you. The scripture says here he is jealous for us. That's why he doesn't want another idol in our life. I mean, it's an easy thing to understand if you're in a relationship with somebody. And all of a sudden, they start having a lot more conversation with somebody else, and there seems to be affection going that way. Does it bother you? Well, yeah. I mean, we've, we've, I've sat with people that were absolutely obsessed with jealousy. Jealousy in the Bible is a good thing. It's not unhealthy. It can get unhealthy in a relationship quickly. But in the Bible, it's because somebody loves you. And somebody wants you and somebody is fighting for you because they know what happens when you follow after that other idol or that other God or that other affection. It changes you. And all of a sudden you find yourself becoming like them. And so I'll just tell you, God will fight for you any day of the week. And have you ever seen God lose? Have you ever known of God to be defeated? No. He's not going to be defeated. He's going to fight for you. And the sad thing is, what does it take to move us from this table to this one? Sometimes it's tragedy. Sometimes it's the loss of a dream. Sometimes it's the most horrible things that we go through. And we realize, man, this is nothing but idols. I'm chasing things that do nothing. And then we move here. I don't know what it will take. I just know today. I want to have something in common, not with this, but with this. And if you notice the last verses, we'll read it again out of the text. Do I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they often to demons and, and not God? Yes. I do not want you to be participants with demons. That's the word, koinonia. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? No. He wants you for himself. And I just think for a lot of us, we wake up to realize, you know what? We do have idols in our life. We have things in our life that we've allowed to take us away from here. And so today, when we hold this cup, when we break this bread, what we are saying is we're declaring, Jesus, you are the only king in my life. You're the only Lord in my life. I am not sharing my life with another. 
Do you realize that in history, the Lord gave two things to us, the church, to declare that we are following Christ and Christ alone? Two things. One, baptism. Baptism is that moment where we say Jesus is Lord. It's pretty much sending a message to the enemy and everybody else. Hey, I belong to him and I'm not ashamed. I had a chance one time to stand in the, in the little church that the disciple John built. I mean, this goes way back. It's in Ephesus. When we go the journeys of Paul, we have a chance to go to this church. And as we're standing there, one of the guys who lives in Ephesus today was explaining to us that what they would do is everyone who would be baptized, this is probably the oldest baptistry we know of in the world. They would go to the front of that baptistry and face west. And they would say, Satan, I renounce everything about you. I have no fellowship with you or the demons. And then they would turn around, face east, and they will say, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. And then they would go in, and every step, name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they go under, and then they come out. It's an incredible thing. We get to walk through it. It's a dry baptistry now. I began to think about that. They would renounce the things of this world. They were basically saying, I'm not staying at this table anymore. I've made my choice. I'm here. And Jesus, you are it for me. I'm following you. That's why we talk about baptism. That's why we celebrate baptism. That's why next weekend we're going to have some horse troughs up here. And we're going to have a call to come and make your declaration known. Because it's just a way to get out of the middle and to get out of this thinking that, well, I'm over here some, I'm over there some. No, let's just make a decision. I'm here. Baptism was a gift to the church to help us declare it. The other is communion. Every time we take this cup, we proclaim his death. Every time we hold this cup, we are participating with Christ. We're becoming a part of him. Now, it doesn't save you. These are symbols. This is bread. This, this is just juice. It doesn't save you, but it's the way he gave the church to remind us who did save us and who is Lord in our life. And it's our way of saying, I will gladly be known by you. I will gladly follow you. So today we get to make the choice through this communion. And next week, baptism. So if you're thinking about it or if you've kind of been, you know, I may need to do that. I want to encourage you right now. And before I pray with you, I, I want to leave, leave you thinking about one thing. All of us go through seasons where we're wondering about the truth and we're wondering about, you know, who is really king of our life? I, I don't mind telling you, for me, the king of my life had to do with a ball. It wasn't this small. It was a basketball. It was a football. I built my life around it. I broke relationships. I did terrible things because of the ball that I was chasing as the king in my life. Today, I'm more a fan than I've ever been. But I know who's king. It's not football. It's not basketball. Jesus is king. But I know what it took to bring me to that. And I searched. I kept thinking, Lord, I, I, I'm, you know, I wouldn't call him by name. I'm just saying, I, I've got to figure it out. 
what I'm going to give my life to, what I'm going to follow the rest of my days. So the other day, my wife sent me something. It just grabbed me. I don't mind telling you. I, I cried when I saw it. I'm sitting at my desk. She said, hey, check this out. And she sent it, and it, it got me. Let me show you. When I saw that picture, I saw me, a lamb of God, a sheep that belonged to the foal, but I was so messed up. I was off course. I was off the path. I was muddy. I was stuck in the mud. I mean, it was not a good day. And can I remind you, there's only one who came looking for you. There's only one who chased us. As I look back over my life, when I was in the mud, when I was stuck, when I was really out of place and lost, the only one who still loved me and came looking for me, his name is Jesus Christ. I will follow him the rest of my days. And that reminded me why I will gladly walk away from that table and I will stand at this one and I will drink this cup this morning. I will eat this bread because Jesus loves me more than anybody has ever loved me. And he loves you. I want us to take a moment. I want us to bow. If you've never said, Jesus, I know you're the one that I need to give my life to. I know you're the one I want to follow. And so today... Jesus, I want you to come in my life and take control. I want to live for you. Can we just tell him right now, just pray this prayer with me. If you're on the stream, join us in the room. Jesus, thank you for coming to this world to look for lost sheep. And thank you for dying on a cross for our sin, my sin. And Jesus, thank you for walking out of a grave. And today, Jesus, I make my choice. I will not sit at the table of demons. I will not fellowship or participate with the demons. I will participate with you. I will walk with you. And I will take the bread today and I will take the cup as a declaration to say, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. In Jesus' name. Look this way a moment. I just believe Jesus heard you. And I know he has been there for you and he's pursued you when nobody else would. So today it's an honor to remember him. And that's the point and the purpose of this table this cup, Paul was so wrapped up with this thought. When we hold this cup, when we break this bread, we're saying we are a part of Jesus. It's almost like, Jesus, we're, we take this in. We, we're going to eat this. We're going to live by this. We're going to drink this. This is who we are. We are followers of Jesus. And we are not ashamed of his blood. We're not ashamed of his body. We gladly Take it today. So in your hand, take the cup and, and if you can remove the covering off of the bread and just hold it. Don't take it yet. Don't eat it yet, but just hold it for a second. The night that he was betrayed, the Bible says he took the bread. And it probably wasn't a loaf that looked exactly like this, but this is a visual for us.
and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. So every time you eat this bread, remember me. It was a way for us to declare yes. In fact, Paul said we came from one. We were, we're all one. We're many members, many parts, but we are from one loaf, Jesus. So today, I will finish the sentence I asked you about a minute ago. I only have worth and significance when I'm following Jesus Christ. That's my worth. That's my significance. That's my Savior. So as the Lord instructed us, take the bread and together we remember Jesus and we look forward to the day he comes again. Eat the bread. The Bible says he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. As often as you drink this cup, remember me. And today, we remember, Jesus, you are our Lord. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.